And welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Miss Christine Steimer. Yo, what up? Hey, girl. Hey. Oh, hey. And Miss Brittany Brombacher is taking the night off to be with her family because it's her birthday week. And we fly out to London tomorrow. It's wild. I know. Well, yeah, London town. I know, I'm super excited. So let's just get right into some housekeeping, shall we? As we mentioned, we will be in London, UK on Sunday, May 26th from 3 to 6 p.m. or from 1500 to 1800 if your fancy ass has to tell time that way instead. <laughs> if you do the military marquee- time. Yeah, exactly. At the Marquis of Westminster, you guys can find... Those address details over at facebook.com slash what's good games. If you are planning to come to the meet and greet, it would help us out if you could RSVP to our Facebook group so we get a general headcount sense of who is going to come. Uh, several of you have reached out to us on social media to let us know you'll be there. We're super excited to see you. Um, please check our Twitter feed for details about it being an all ages event. I have reached out to our contact at the venue. I am pretty sure it is but just to be sure if you are planning on bringing somebody who is under the age of 21 or is it 18 in i the think UK? it's 18 in the uk let me let me google real quick whatever <laughs> legal the legal drinking, drinking age, age london <laughs> or whatever the age is that you can be inside pubs oh, wait mm, why you are you telling me the Twitter united feed? states you dumb fuck <laughs> stupid google <laughs> stupid google um so but we're really excited to go and meet with you guys we know that there's very rare opportunities for people who follow what's good games to see us in the united states so we will be in london this sunday please come on down say hello um we'll have snacks it'll be great so it looks um, like we also have 18 oh, sorry go ahead look the 18? age of 18 and then also teens ages 16 and 17 may drink at a public restaurant or public establishment if with accompanied by an adult well but not spirits whiskey or rum and then those under 16 may enter a pub or pub or bar if accompanied by an adult and just won't drink alcohol hmm there you go so there you go i mean this is the internet machine so that may not be 100 percent correct (laughs) but that's what it's telling me (laughs) <laughs> i like it um so come one come all to the marquee at westminster um in london 
on Sunday, May 26th. Also, because the month of Pride is almost upon us, we are selling a special What's Good Games Pride t-shirts. That's right. We have two different designs. And if you can, you can get it in both men's and women's t-shirts. We got tank tops and we got sweatshirts. So we have a variety of styles for the two designs, the What's Good Pride and What's Good Games Pride. So please do check those out at whatsgoodgames.com slash store because two important reasons. First, the most important reason, all profits, that's right, 100% of the profits are going to GLAD, the Gay and Lesbian Alliance Against Defamation. Um, you can see that nonprofit stamp on all of the listings on our Teespring for the month of May and for the month of June. And second, we're doing a flash sale that's sponsored by Teespring starting May 23rd through May 25th. I'll put the exact details on the What's Good Games Twitter, What's Good underscore Games. You, by using the code FANFAVE, you get 10% off your merch. So not only do 100% of the profits go to GLAD and you get some cool pride swag for the month of June, 10% off for those two days. So if you guys are around and you want to get some merch, and that code goes for anything in the What's Good Game store, again, code FANFAVE gets you 10% off. And if you forget about this while you're listening, maybe you're out for a jog, maybe you're cooking dinner, you're like, oh, crap, don't forget, just check out our social channels. We'll be posting those merchandise deals. And the May secret segment is up. You guys voted for us to talk about which books we'd like to make into video games. Um, as expected, I picked something super fantasy and nerdy, but I'm very excited about my pick. And uh, if I win so the lottery, I'm going to pay someone to make it happen. <laughs> we are both and, fantasy nerds. Yes, and Steimer has uh, inspired me to pick up some new books for the trip to London, which I'm going to have to go do tomorrow before I head to the airport. Um, so that's it for announcements. Uh, a big shout out and thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Lincoln Davis, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Atay, and Mohammed Mohammed. And welcome to our Patreon community, Marcus Brown, Justin Fleming, Patrick Fortier, SuperTuber Eddie, Brett G, and John Jennings. Thank you so much for becoming part of the awesome group of kids over at patreon.com slash what's good games. We have lots of membership options for you if you you guys are interested, including an ad-free tier. There's tiers where you get a shout-out on the show every month, where you get access to our exclusive after-hour stream. Lots of cool stuff. Patreon.com slash What's Good Games. All right, let's get into some news. But before we do that, I'd like to say thank you to our first sponsor of the show, Quip. It's time for spring cleaning, and Quip's got an easy way to start with your brushing habits. Just two minutes, twice a day, can help pave the way to a healthier mouth and mind. And now the whole family can get refreshed with Quip. The new Kids Quip has the same two-minute timer and guiding pulses as the original version with no childish gimmicks, so they can brush just like a grown-up. Plus, they've got watermelon anti-cavity toothpaste. Who doesn't want that? Sounds delicious. I know. Every time I read this, I'm like, mm, I keep forgetting to go and order this. Plus, Quip comes with a multi-use cover that works as a stand, mounts to mirrors, and slides over your bristles to pack and protect your toothbrush on the go. Why? Because it declutters your sink and cabinet and makes traveling with an electric toothbrush easier. Plus, there are no wires or a clunky charger, and it runs for three months on a single charge. Plus, those brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just five bucks. A friendly reminder when it's time to refresh and stay committed to your oral health. 75% of us use old, worn-out bristles 
bristles that are ineffective. Ew, gross. Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association. They're backed by over 25,000 dental professionals and they have thousands of verified five-star reviews just like ours. We use Quip on the go. I got it ready, packed for London. It's fantastic. It's super easy. Hopefully, Steimer doesn't accidentally pick up my Quip in the bathroom when we're in London and use mine. I mean, mine. mine's copper. Okay. Yours is a different color, isn't it? Oh, yeah, that's right. Mine's silver. Ha-ha. <laughs> we got this all figured out. We love Quip, and so do one million happy, healthy mouths. Quip starts at just 25 bucks, and if you go to getquip.com slash what's good, right now you can get your first refill pack for free. That's G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash what's good for your first refill pack for free. And just a little aside, I know that you guys can find Quip in stores now because I saw it the other day and I was like, oh, hey, look, there's Quip. But just remember, if you decide you want to try Quip and you use our promo code, that helps everything we do here at What's Good Games. It helps us keep the lights on, helps us get to London to do meet and greets like we're doing. So we appreciate the support. Thank you so much. All right, I'm serious. Now let's get to the news. The first story we're going to talk about today is Ouya's Game Store closes for good. My question is, Ouya's Game Store was still live? <laughs> That's a very valid question. Summer, you want to read this one? Sure, why not? This is via Hero Gamer. It's the end of the line for Ouya, the Android game console, which sprung into life during the Kickstarter boom. Four years after the final Ouya console dropped off the end of the production line, the, game, the platform's game store is also being switched off. Razer, which now owns you, Ouya, which I just learned right now reading this story, uh, <laughs> is bidding Today off the Forge TV and Mad Cat's Mojo Game Stores at the same time on the 25th of June, 2019. Ouya owners are being encouraged to make any fin- final purchases and ensure all games they want to keep are downloaded. If you do still have any funds on your account, you may as well spend them. An FAQ on the shutdown has confirmed there will be no way of withdrawing the money otherwise. Quote, you will continue to have access to the games that have been downloaded, Razer's FAQ states, though any games which require uh, a purchase validation upon launch will not work. So you will have to contact the game developer for confirmation, Razer concluded. Released in 2013 after raising $8.5 million via Kickstarter, the Ouya was one of crowdfunding's highest profile success stories, with some analysts questioning whether the upstart console challenger would disrupt the console market forever. <gasps> Spoiler alert. It did not. That was me. <laughs> Anyways, uh, after shipping enough consoles to fulfill its Kickstarter audience, Ouya struggled to find interest anywhere else. Within two years, it had burnt through a further $25 million, woof, from various investors and was languishing in debt. It was at this point Razer swooped in to buy the software assets while ending hardware manufacturing of the console itself. Goodbye, Ouya. I don't know I that also- anyone will miss you. <laughs> yeah, I also, like you when I saw this story was like, dang, I did, I did not realize the Ouya marketplace was still going. But I guess it makes sense that Razer would want to operate the software side and try to recoup as much of their investment as possible. But I didn't realize that there was a further $25 million of investment from various investors. But also, yikes, I guess they all kind of went tits up there. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know why Razer bought them in the first place, but okay. Well, they just bought the software assets, so they that's why they ended hardware manufacturing when they um, bought those assets off, because they were probably able to still make some money by selling software to the people who had Ouya, so... I wonder I if they the story- did. 
Yeah, I honestly don't know. And I covered this story earlier this week on Games Daily. We were having trouble finding an exact number of how many Ouyas were sold. I think the number that we settled on was like around a million. But somebody, um, but one of the sources I looked at said it was closer to like a hundred thousand. Uh, I never really got but a. Those are a very lead. drastic differences in numbers. Ouya, yeah, right? Ouya lifetime sales. Let's take a look again. Who made Ouya? No. But not only that, even if you had a 1 million install base, that doesn't mean those people are actually active purchasers. Cause that's true. Like the, we had an insane reach, but not a lot of depth in terms of software sales for, for the amount that it had sold out. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It does make sense. I mean, cause in order to sell software, you'd still have to promote it and marketing of any kind is going to cost you money yep so it's like well now what are we gonna do with this shut it down i guess 12 years later or whatever how long ago was it (laughs) yeah i vividly remember when the ouya kickstarter launched and it was the, the biggest deal everyone was like oh my god it's open platform and it's gonna disrupt the video games business and i was just so skeptical because I had been playing mobile games and tablet games for quite some time by that point, for a couple of years. And I was just like, why do I want this little cube thing? Don't, I mean, don't think I didn't get one. I think it's still in the closet somewhere. Oh, yeah. Quite frankly, I think I still have my Ouya. Um, but I remember when they closed their Kickstarter with over $8 million, I was just like, wow, had no idea uh, that they were going to raise that much money. But. You know, I think the way that smartphones have really increased their processing power really kind of never left space for Ouya to become successful. Yeah. Like, what, I, I, I was Ouya like when you I where phone? I was just like, I don't I don't understand why everyone's going apeshit over this thing. This does not seem like the future, quote unquote. Um, but, you know, it had a fun name to say. So I'll give you that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it says here back in 2015 that Razer reportedly purchased Ouya's investments and assets for $10 million. Yikes. And that it allowed players to download more than 1,124 Android games. Android games? But I can't imagine how many of those were optimized for that controller. Or how many many of those were... like. What how, what did those games cost? You only sold a thousand. Yeah, I mean, because so many of those games are designed for touch interface, because uh, Android is you know glass interface instead of virtual controls. Huh? Look, I'm not I'm not a business person, but that seems like a bad deal. <laughs> it does seem like a bad deal. <laughs> it's like not. Razer is a smart company. Clearly, they must have seen a business model somewhere. You know, sometimes people fuck up, though. Sense. Businesses are run by companies. I mean, sorry, businesses are run by people is what I meant to say. True. <laughs> people fuck up, like I just did in that sentence. So, you know. Well, I mean, later on in this story, they talk about how THQ infamously created the U-Draw game tablet. You remember the U-Draw craze? Oh, my, oh my God. Gosh. I forgot about that. Until- <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes i do remember oh my god oh my god you draw yes what a weird little thing 
Yep. Man, video games. Yeah. Sometimes we forget that these things are real. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. So I, I never got like a complete lifetime sales. Most of the sales numbers that I see are from 2013. So clearly those can't possibly be lifetime accurate. What, what were the sales in 2013? Well, it's from like the Kickstarter, which oh. were like 68,000, I think. Um, 68,000. Yeah. Then maybe that 100,000 is correct. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Cause like, I can't imagine that these things were flying off the virtual shelves. Yeah. Doubtful. Why would you buy? Yeah. Why would you buy an Ouya when you can just buy a, a bunch of games on your phone instead? Anyway, goodbye, Ouya. We'll pour one out for you. Um, <laughs> next, speaking of THQ, THQ Nordic currently has 80 games in development. This write-up comes from Game Informer. THQ Nordic, the publisher behind Darksiders 3 and Metro Exodus, has been quietly acquiring game licenses and studios for the past few years, or not so quietly. Yeah. In a recent financial report, it revealed that the company currently has 80, that's eight zero games in active development across three major studios, with what? one being currently an unannounced AAA title from 4A Games. Best known as the studio behind the Metro franchise. During the period, we signed multiple new projects, among them a new development agreement with 4A Games, the developers of the Metro franchise for their upcoming still undisclosed AAA project. By the end of the quarter, THQ Nordic, Deep Silver, and Coffee Stain had 80 games in development, of which 48 titles are currently unannounced, the financial report revealed. Alongside the reveal of 48 mystery titles came the announcement that THQ Nordic has acquired Piranha Bytes, and with it, the rights to all of its games, Elix, Gothic, and Risen, joined the ranks of Time Splitters and Kingdoms of Amalur in the list of THQ Nordic's games acquisitions. These announcements come on the heels of the largest launch in the company's history with Metro Exodus, recouping Deep Silver's development and marketing costs. Coffee Stain's satisfaction also performed above expectations after an early access launch on the Epic Games Store. So a little side note, I got to play a couple of these unannounced titles at Judges Week that I cannot talk about yet. And while I was there, I spoke to some of the members of THQ Nordic about their impressive acquisitions. And we kind of were joking about, I was like, man, you guys are just buying everybody these days. And he said, yeah, we have close to 200 IP in our portfolio now. And I said, wait, what? close to 200 pieces of intellectual property what are you even gonna do with all those yeah you can't i'm so confused by this story because it makes no sense to me because yeah what do you mean you have 80 games in development do you own 80 studios like who's (laughs) who's making these games i don't understand and like what do you mean 48 are like unannounced where where are your other 30 fucking 40 whatever math is hard there's that's a lot of games that you're saying are announced where are they what are you talking about yeah this is this is wild so um i also talked about this on games daily because i was on games daily so many times this week um and we looked at the numbers and i looked back over the last like 12 months THQ Nordic has gotten almost $400 million of investment funding over the last 12 months to buy IP and to further their content acquisitions. But nowhere among that said that that money was being used for game development. Right. Like there's, it's a, <laughs> there's a big difference between we own 200 IP and we have 80 video games in development. Like those are two drastically different things. Um, because to have 80 games in development, you would 
need presumably close to that number of studios working on things. Sure, a couple studios are able to manage multiple multiple projects at a time, depending on their size, but like, eh? <laughs> yeah. And well, like, I understand that most publishers own a ton of IP that is just sits dormant in their, in their, you know, copyright or trademark, like folders on a legal server somewhere, you know, they just own them. They're not doing anything with them. Right. Um, but the idea that 48 titles are currently unannounced makes it seem like they're going to be announcing them and like 80 games it currently in development. Like how unless several of them are mobile titles that are going to have relatively short development cycles and then they're going to kind of like churn them out. It doesn't I'm with you. I am flabbergasted by that number, especially since hypothetically, if these games are even double A, like mid-tier games, which we assume most of them probably are, like the average budget for a mid-tier game is what, like between two and ten million, would you say? Yeah. It's just like it's crazy to think that they would need roughly between a hundred and five hundred million dollars to do development on that many titles, especially if even a handful of them are triple A. I don't know, man. I wonder if there there's got to be some funky math happening here. I just don't know what it is because I don't have enough information. <laughs> so I'm like, right. I'm like, okay, are you counting? I have purchased this studio and they own ten IP. Therefore, we have ten games in development from that studio, even though that is not true. It's just right. 10 games you could potentially make one day in the future. I uh, have to imagine that's the case, right? Yeah, right. Because otherwise, the, it just legitimately makes no sense to me. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, are there I'm even that you. many developers that are not <laughs> bought by someone at this point? <laughs> like, I don't know. Because um, I'm looking at the actual Piranha Bytes press release. And it's like, yo, we bought them and we've got all of this, like these IP rights. Okay, thanks. Bye. And I'm like, okay, are you counting? Are those counting as like three? You're saying you have Gothic, Risen, and Elix and you've bought those three properties. You, you are, are, you, are those three of the 32 games that are quote unquote announced? Yeah, it's hard to know because, like I said, when I spoke to the team, they said they have close to 200 IP now in their portfolio, of which 80 games are in development, of which 48 are unannounced. Like, so I guess hypothe- I cur- hypothetically, they have 120 other IPs that are just hanging out, not doing anything. That I would, just I would wager some of those 80 are, are with those 120. <laughs> <laughs> like just hanging I would out. Imagine too. They're like it's quote unquote in development, aka we have an idea that someone did some concept art some at some point. Right. There's like <laughs> there's like some sketches on an iPad somewhere and <laughs> we liked them. So we'll definitely make it one day. But yeah, the sentence the sentence that made me go, huh? When I in the middle of you reading your with the story was the company currently has eighty games in active development across three major studios and i was like no no that math does does not check out um hold the phone yeah excuse (laughs) excuse me that kid that's not a correct statement and i don't exactly yeah so this is a very bizarre story but i am excited for some of thq nordic's um titles and particularly uh is it called mutant you think thinking of biomutant biomutant 
Yes. Yeah. That one looks cool. I feel like that one's been in development for a long time. Well, when you like get to build a little character and then like slash it up. Yeah, I can see that. You can basically make your own little, your own anthropomorphic animal fantasy. It's like Redwall come to life. But that's true. A little bit you more could. fucked up. Um, I was so happy that they acquired the Kingdoms of Amalur IP because I loved that game and I would love to see more of it. But if anybody's working on it, that's clearly several years away. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely a next-gen title. But I would still keep my fingers crossed to play it. All right. Let's move on to the next story. Would you like to read this one? Sure. Our good old friend George R.R. R. Martin <laughs> <laughs> reignites rumors about a game with the Dark Souls creators. Uh, this is via Polygon. A new blog post by George R.R. R. Martin following the series finale of Game of Thrones teases that the author has been helping make a video game. The blog post says that he's been busy lately and, quote, even consulted on a video game out of Japan. While those details aren't too specific, a source told Gematsu from that From Software is working on an unannounced title with Martin, known internally as GR. The Gematsu report also notes that the title will be officially announced at Microsoft's E3 press conference this year, and it's a collaboration between Martin and, I'm going to butcher your name, I'm so sorry, Miyazaki. I'm not going to say your first name because it will be bad. Um, Hidetake. <laughs> Hidetake? Wait, no, Taka. Yeah, Hidetaka, Hidetaka Miyazaki. Miyazaki. Nailed it. Uh, the source explains that the game has been in development for three years already and is an open-world game with horse riding. Fuck yes. It will be published by Bandai Namco. Original speculation about Martin creating a Souls-like game with From Software spawned from a tweet from Liam Robertson. Quote, there is a From Software rumor going around that is absolutely bonkers. I think you should be hearing some more about this later today. The rumors only continued following Spawn Wave's video talking about a collaboration with the Game of Thrones writer. The Microsoft E3 press conference takes place on June 9th, so we will wait and see then. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, I like how he's... I, I love the way he wrote consulted on a video game out of japan <laughs> like, i don't know why that sentence makes me laugh but it does i think this is just another nail in the coffin for winds of winter it's never coming you guys we're never going to get it he's given up on writing books he's now a video game dev well yeah it was crazy <laughs> when reading that blog post of his because he's like i've been a little busy i'm doing and lists like a hundred fucking things and i was like but but what about what about those two books though but those books, yo. And he's you, like, I'll do them, I'll do them, I'll do them. Forever ago. <laughs> it's just basically like when you, I don't know if you ever did this, but like you're like, I want to not do my homework. So I'm going to clean my house. I'm going to do my laundry. Like I'm going to do things that are technically yes. good and I should do them. But I'm not doing the thing I should actually be doing. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of how I feel about Patrick Rothfuss and the third book in the Kingkiller Chronicles, too. It's just it's tough because, you know, authors are people and they get to live lives and do whatever they want to do. And if they have other passion projects they want to work on, that's cool. But, you know, as fans of the work, I think we get so invested in these stories and want to see them have a proper conclusion yeah. <laughs> that it's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow. However, there are reports, you know, that like the article said that we're going to get to see this as potentially as soon as E3 and that's pretty exciting but also dang from software maybe like take a breath <laughs> like they've yeah. been cranking out games but um but, they sold me with horse riding so I'm I'm good 
Yeah, open world game with horse riding? Let's go. Yes. Oh, wait, does it, is it going to have souls bosses? No, thanks. Run away. <laughs> you can just ignore them all and ride around on your horse and pretend like they aren't there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is um, a, a really cool idea, I think. Anytime, you know, um, entertainment and video games can collide, I think it's good for the video games world. It kind of shines a spotlight uh, to people who forget that video games are huge. <laughs> um, that, hey, we're here and we're cool. So we'll keep an eye on this, and um, I hope that we get to see something. I'm down for a teaser. Bring it on, Microsoft. Yeah. All right, next story. Dauntless becomes the first game to launch with PS4 crossplay. So Adam Bankhurst over at IGN writes, Dauntless has fulfilled its one Dauntless promise as it launches today with full crossplay and cross-progression on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and PC for Epic Game Store in the first game to launch with this functionality for PS4. Phoenix Labs free-to-play co-op action RPG Dauntless promises one Dauntless for all players around the world to play together no matter where they play was a truly audacious goal, but one that was very important for the team and its mission. When we first started talking about the one Dauntless, we knew it was a truly audacious goal, Jesse Houston, the CEO and co-founder of Phoenix Lab, said. No one has ever launched on console with full cross-play support from the start, but we believed in our vision, and thankfully our friends at Epic Games, Sony, and Microsoft did too. Keeping the community connected is one of our top priorities, and with all the new players coming in at launch, there's never been a better time to be a slayer in Dauntless. Dauntless joins such games as Fortnite and Rocket League as those that support full cross-play across all platforms, and as mentioned previously, is the first one to support it at launch. If you guys missed it last week, I gave a lengthy preview of Dauntless is the feature segment for the show. And now it is officially out. And while I knew that crossplay was coming, I didn't know that we were going to launch with crossplay and cross progression, most importantly, which is super, super cool. And I'm so excited that this is happening. And I hope that this means that we're going to see more games do this in the future. Yeah, it's it's great, especially the cross progression. Like, that's dope. If you're like, ah, oh, shit, I got it on the wrong platform or whatever. Like, my friends are over here. And you just like, boop, hop on over. Yeah, or if you're traveling, um, let's say you have uh, an Xbox at your parents' house, but you have a PlayStation 4 in your college dorm, and you go home for the weekend or whatever, and you want to jump into some Dauntless, like, all you got to do is log in. Yeah, that's amazing. I have yeah, that downloaded. I just downloaded that and uh, Rage last night, so I didn't have a chance to play any of them yet, but I'm like, I'm, I'm eager to hop in there, build a pretty character, slash around, you know, kill some monsters. The huge. I'm ready. Let's do it. I have also got it downloaded. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to play it either because um, I actually haven't played too much uh, over the last week because the only time that I played anything, I was uh, raiding <laughs> in the division, which we'll talk about later. But... Ooh. Um, congrats to Phoenix Labs on your launch, and I hope that we get more games that do cross-play like this. Uh, I think this is hopefully going to open the door for more and more titles to offer to offer cross-play. And I think all it's going to take is some more of like the the big guys, the traditional multiplayer people, like your Apex, your Call of Duties, your Battlefields, um, to really kind of help keep pushing that over the edge. Um, there were some comments I saw when the story launched uh, from people saying, why, you know, won't they let these other devs do it? They've said that they wanted to. Some people were speculating that because it's on the Epic Game Store and Sony has a very close relationship with Epic, that potentially 
that was why crossplay was supported at launch versus with Steam. And yeah. I was like, hmm, there might be something to that. Yeah, that that's a decent theory. I do not know but, if it's true, but it, that bucket appears to hold water to me. <laughs> I'm with you, too, because obviously Epic has done special things with um, crossplay with PlayStation. Fortnite was the first to get crossplay. And Rocket League, which also has a very close relationship with PlayStation because it launched in PlayStation Plus, if you guys remember. Um, so that makes sense there, too. Maybe there's something there. Hmm. I guarantee you if I ask PlayStation about this, I'm never going to get a response. I'm oh, no. i bother. Yeah. They would... never respond to my emails. <laughs> <sighs> Speaking of PlayStation. Speaking of PlayStation. Woo. You want to take this last story? Yeah. <laughs> Sony opens PlayStation Productions to develop multiple game franchises into TV and movies. This story is via Eurogamer. PlayStation Productions is a new studio set up by Sony to convert its video game franchises into blockbuster films and television. Its first slate of projects is already in production, according to The Hollywood Reporter. And the idea is PlayStation will leverage its own links to sister company Sony Pictures and work on adaptations in-house rather than farming franchises out to external studios and do it all better than some sort of dodgy game-to-film adaptations of the past. Quote, You can see just by watching older video game adaptations that the screenwriter or director didn't understand that world or the gaming thing, Sony Interactive Entertainment boss Sean Layden said. Uh, It's also about keeping fans of PlayStation's big franchises engaged while waiting for another game in the series. Quote, when fans beat a 40 to 50 hour game and have to wait another three to four years for a sequel, we want to give them places they can go and still have more of that experience and see the characters they love evolve in different ways, he added. So I think this is amazing. I'm stoked. It makes a lot of sense. Sony already has Sony Pictures. Why not work together internally as a company instead of like, uh, just basically leasing out your IP to people and hoping that they do it right. Exactly. I, this is long overdue. And a tandem announcement to go with this one is that Sony confirmed during an investor relations presentation this week that it was developing a TV show based on the Twisted Metal game series. It also stated that the Uncharted movie is in, quote, advanced development. That write-up is from IGN. Sony Pictures Entertainment Chairman and CEO Tony uh, Vinciquera explained that the recently announced PlayStation Productions has closed the deal for a Twisted Metal show, though he didn't share many hard details beyond that, saying, we have a TV show we just agreed to get underway that will be developed from the IP on PlayStation. It's called Twisted Metal. It's a game that was put out many years ago, and we're going to develop a TV series around that. So not really a lot to go on there. I don't, I mean, (laughs) okay, I was never a huge Twisted Metal fan, so I could be very ill-informed, but my thought was it's basically just like psycho clown car racing sort of thing. Yes, exactly. Is there is there is there a a story there? I don't know about the underlying narrative around Twisted Metal because it was never my thing. Um, This is where our our pal Brittany Brombacher would. uh, Oh, that's right. She (laughs) loves Twisted Metal. (laughs) Would come in come in handy, but she's out this week, so we'll get her thoughts on it um, next week when she is. Nope, not next week. We have a special E3 prediction show next week because we're in London. Yeah. Uh, the week after, I guess. Um, yep. So let me, I've just pulled up the wiki. Essentially, it just says that it's a car combat game developed by Eat Sleep Play and was published 
by Sony Computer Entertainment. It was the first game. Oh wait, no, this title, Twisted Metal, on PS3. No, that's not what I want. Wiki. I want the the original Twisted Metal. Oh gee. Also, this uh, PlayStation Productions will be headed by Asad Kizilbash, who was on their stage last year. I don't remember, but he's been around on the PlayStation conferences before. He's been around. Um, yeah. So, so let me let me tell you here. This the game series centers around the Twisted Metal competition, which is a demolition derby which allows the use of ballistic projectiles such as missiles and machine guns. The contest is run by a mysterious man named Calypso, who grants the winner one wish that, in his own words, has no limits on prize, size, or even reality. The first mm-hmm. game in the series takes place during the tenth annual running of the Twisted Metal competition in Los Angeles on Christmas Eve, two thousand five. It was released for PlayStation in November 1995. So technically set in the future. I was 10 years old. <laughs> <laughs> what a baby. Um, so I think that, there, that there's definitely some room there to make something fun. But it also sounds like it'd be an expensive show. Um, yeah. Uh, if they use, you know, real effects. But we shall see. I personally just want them to focus on Uncharted. Yeah. Just get, get that Uncharted movie out. Make that movie happen. I'm so glad that Dan Trachtenberg was announced as the director. Um, just make it happen, Sony. Um, but this is cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see more. I, I mean, I would not kick a God of War movie out of bed. It would be interesting, yeah, now uh, with the new God of War to see to see that growth and development. I don't know that I would want to watch angry Kratos on screen like for a couple hours where he's just shouting at people. Mhm. But uh you know, the new the new god of the rebooted god of war I'd be into. Well, and I feel I like everyone talks about how the last of us is perfect for cinema. Yeah, that also would fit. Jeez, uh, Neil. <laughs> all of your stuff is really good <laughs> stop making such great stuff for movies i man. know <laughs> or it, it actually is an interesting thought of like if there are other state other stories in the world that like neil or whoever wants to tell but they don't necessarily have the time or budget for game development like could they tell those stories through tv could they tell them through movies um and i think that that would be an interesting sort of approach versus like we're literally just going to remake the story of the game for you here you go um instead of expanding on it and like showing you something different that you wouldn't normally get to see yeah that would be awesome because i remember when Corey said that he had all of these ideas for dlc but they were all just too big and sony was like we can't afford to make all of these things Corey. <laughs> right and they take um, a long time really cool. and not not to say that tv or movies don't take a long time but i think you know, their production cycle is certainly shorter than a video game's. Yeah, absolutely. I think Game of Thrones proves that you can move mountains in a relatively short amount of time if you yeah, really need but to in TV you also film. might forget to edit out Starbucks cups or water bottles. <laughs> that happens to everybody. <laughs> I'm just saying, when you crunch, shit, yes. shit, shit mistakes through the cracks. Slip through the cracks. Yep. Crunch means cracks. Be careful, people. Be careful, people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you don't want cracks from crunch, okay? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is going to do it for our news segment. When we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. Stay with us, everybody. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, everybody. It is the second segment of the What's Good Games podcast. This is where we talk about what we've been playing. And this week, our hands-on impressions are brought to you by Upstart. As most of us have found out the hard way, getting into debt is easy. Getting out of debt is hard, especially if your FICO score isn't great. Sky-high interest rates can make it incredibly hard for you to break out of the revolving debt cycle. Thankfully, now there's Upstart.com, the revolutionary lending platform that offers smarter interest rates to help you pay off high-interest credit card debt. Sometimes life gets just so busy that you stop keeping track of all of your bills, and that interest can really rack up if you're not paying attention. And managing your credit can be just as simple as like min-maxing in your favorite RPG. Think of it like a game of adulting. Upstart goes beyond the traditional FICO score when assessing your credit worthiness. They actually reward you based on your education and your job history in the form of a smarter interest rate. Upstarts believes you're more than just your credit score. They make it fast, simple, and easy to check your rate in just a few minutes without affecting your score. The best part, once your loan is approved, most people get their funds the very next business day. The next day, you guys. Over 200,000 people have used Upstart to pay off credit cards, student loans, fund their wedding, or make a large purchase. Free yourself from the burden of high-interest credit card debt by consolidating everything into one monthly payment with Upstart. Um, just before the show, we were talking about annoying calls that people make, and some of those annoying calls are usually creditors. So if you guys are looking for a way to consolidate your debt, we would like you to check out Upstart and see why they're ranked number one in their category with over 300 businesses on Trustpilot. And if you go to upstart.com slash what's good, you can find out just how low your Upstart rate is. Check your rate will only take a few minutes and it won't affect your credit score. That's upstart.com slash what's good. I feel like I preach all the time about the importance of credit scores and I don't want to like have like my mom hat on, but unfortunately, <laughs> it's something you got to play the game at if you ever want to get like a home loan or like a big car loan. And a friend of mine was just having some trouble with her credit score, and I was like, "Let me help you." There are there are tools. I know it sucks, and I know that having credit is not great, but you got to have a credit score. It's yep. just one of those unfortunate parts of life. Absolutely true. Okay, so. Today, I'm going to be talking about a few of the games that I got to play during Judges Week and the embargo has lifted. Earlier this week, you may have noticed that the Oculus Quest and the Oculus Rift S have started shifting. Shifting? Shipping. Ah, That's the word I was looking for. What are they shifting into? Sounds exciting. (laughs) If you guys haven't heard, the Oculus Quest is the new portable version of the Oculus Rift that does not require you to be tethered to your computer. Instead, it runs with an app on your smartphone and has virtually no wires. And this thing is pretty incredible. I first got to play with it back at GDC at an Oculus event where I got to play Beat Saber. And it was pretty life-changing to be able to play a virtual reality game like Beat Saber where there's a lot of movement without having that giant tether that goes to either your console or to your PC. And so at the Oculus event at Judges Week, I got to play hands-on with three different games. One of them was for the Quest. Two of them were for the super high-powered Rift, the Rift S. And so let's start with the Quest, which was Phantom Covert Ops. So based off the name, Steimer, what do you think that game is about? I think it's like Rainbow Six. It kind of is, except it's not squad-based. You're a single solo. Um, it's single-player. 
and it's got a lot of stealth elements. You have three guns. You've got uh, an SMG, a pistol, and a sniper. You've got C4 explosives that you can use. And the traversal mechanic is in a tactical kayak. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> That's exactly the reaction I had when they first showed us the trailer before we got to play. I was How do like, you Wait. fire a gun in a kayak and not Wait, like what? knock Wait, yourself out of the boat? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, the, here's how it works. So this is a, a, a game that you play seated. Um, so let me start at the beginning. So the studio is called End Dreams. So they've been making VR games for about five years. They've made um, several games in the past. And this is a stealth military FPS, um, as I mentioned. And so when you're sitting in a chair, you've got the two um, quest controllers in your hand. And you move in your kayak just like you would paddle a, in a real kayak. So you have to like move your hands like you're holding an oar and you're paddling from side to side. Um it felt really great, but just like I suck at kayaking in real life, I sucked <laughs> at kayaking in the game. Oh, no. You suck at because, kayaking? I didn't know this about you. Well, I get the hang of it after a while. Um, and thankfully, there's no water resistance uh, in the in the VR game. It's like, you know, there's no so current your arms or anything don't get either. tired from, from moving around like it, they would like if you were kayaking in an, an actual body of water. But you still have to like put your paddle on the right, on the left, on the right, on the left. And then in turning, I found to be incredibly challenging because, you know, you have to go like right, right, right. Right? Yeah. trying to turn around and I just felt so dumb because I kept running into stuff because I couldn't turn uh, very well but once I got the hang of it um, it felt super smooth and it was actually kind of genius way of traversing around the world but the thing that I didn't understand was that you never get out of the kayak you're <laughs> in the kayak the whole time <laughs> it's, that's you know that's weird so wait so for the kayaking you're saying like so in a real life kayak Granted, if so, if there's a current of any kind to turn, I can just stick my paddle down on one side mm -hmm. and turn right or left. You can't do that here. You have to like keep paddling one. You know, I didn't try that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I did. There was a point where I could um, push my paddle against walls to push off. Like if I got too close to a wall, I could like push my my kayak away from the wall with mm -hmm. the paddle. Um, but. I never tried turning that way. I don't. I didn't know that you could do that. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, if there's a current, yeah, you're like you know, if you're moving along with something, you can just stick your paddle down; it'll go one way or the other. But um, not if there's no current, I don't think it, it would move you. You you would have to like do exactly what you did and just paddle, paddle, paddle on one side. <laughs> just keep paddling on one side. Um, well, that's good to know. I'll have to try that out. Um, so in these levels, you go through. And there's your very traditional stealth elements. There'll be like high reeds in the water that you can hide in. You can like stop in the reeds if there's a guard walking by. There's um, light posts that swing back and forth, you know, like guard lights. You can shoot out with your guns um, or that you can avoid. And so with the guns, um, I wrote in my notes that the sniper felt the best because of the scope. And it was really interesting. So with the two controllers... I would raise my hands like I was holding the sniper gun, like with in one hand and then, you know, um, with the other hand. And I could actually see the scope 
like the magnification and the scope when I held the gun up to my up to my face um, by using the controllers and holding the controllers physically close to my face, which I thought was a really cool touch. Um, and so I used that for most of my kills, even though it wasn't like the sneakiest because, you know, if there were guards nearby, they would like see their buddy fall over and I'd be like, shit. Is your <laughs> pistol silenced, I assume? Yeah, so there's a silencer on the pistol. Okay. Um, but I wrote in my notes that it felt very difficult to aim at a distance. And so you had to, in order to use it, you'd have to be relatively close to your target because it only had iron sights. Mm. It didn't have a scope, which was kind of frustrating. Um, and then the SMG, of course, is designed for close encounters and i wrote in my notes that it felt very bouncy good only for close encounters i mean traditionally that's what smgs are for is for close quarters but in a stealth game why why would you even give someone an smg in a stealth game like that's a noisy ass gun yeah i really wanted like a crossbow Ooh, that sounds yeah that sounds like fun yeah to to me that feels like what you would want if you're going to be playing so the way that you would the amount of kickback from an smg in a kayak just makes me laugh like you would yeah exactly and i don't know why that maybe that's why it felt so bouncy because like you're in this like little thing that could tip over at any moment um but they have the magazines in front of you, like in this little shelf in the front of the kayak. So you would reach forward, grab a magazine, you know, put it into the gun. If you guys have ever played a shooter in VR, it's a, you know, it's a very, um, like visceral kind of movement, um, shoving the magazine up into the, up into the gun. And I have here in my notes that they use, uh, an interesting use of lighting to maintain stealth that shooting out lights is like very high risk, high reward, because if shooting them out, you usually have to use a gun without a silencer, but then they notice that the light is shot out. Um, I had a lot of difficulty because I thought the AI was very aggressive. And I don't know if it's just the level that I was playing in or if you just really have to be good with stealth because it's a stealth FPS. But I thought it was really interesting. Um, I don't know how I would feel about it. Generally speaking, when I play virtual reality, which isn't a lot, I'm not attracted to first-person shooters because that first-person mechanic is so difficult to achieve visually really well in virtual reality when we have amazing FPS games um, on console and PC that are at either at 4K or at 1080p and anywhere from 60 to 90 frames. So... Not my favorite of the things that I've played on the quest, but an interesting game nonetheless. And I will say the traversal was really well done. It felt really smooth. It didn't felt rocky. I never at any point felt like I was going to tip in the kayak, which is nice because that would be horrifying. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think it would just make people motion sick. Yeah, that's true. It did feel very steady. I didn't feel like I was bobbing around in the water, which was great. But again, a whole game of being in a kayak. It's a kind little, of a head scratcher. little weird. Um, so one of the other games I got to play on the Rift S. So this is the super powerful Rift that I first got to try back at GDC as well was Lone Echo 2. So, of course, this is from Ready at Dawn. That is the sequel to Lone Echo, which was a Game of the Year nominated for virtual reality categories, if you guys ever played. They also had Echo Arena, which was their um, their arena combat game. So, Jack and Liverback, these are your characters from Lone Echo, if you guys played that game. Um, and it essentially picks up right where Lone Echo left off. 
Um, in my notes, I had that the motion was still a bit nauseating because you're in space. And so it's like a zero gravity environment where you're kind of floating around and you have to grab pieces of the environment and boost yourself forward. And then you have these little jets on your hands that kind of like uh, gently push you uh, forward. They're not like Iron Man jets where you get like a lot of propulsion. They're like very soft jets. <laughs> so you don't move super fast. Um, and I had that the dialogue trees were a bit cumbersome and finding waypoints didn't feel intuitive. Um, and so it was, I was really struggling with this demo. I got motion sick pretty quickly in it. And that I don't want to say is necessarily a knock against the game. I tend to get motion sick in uh, a lot of VR titles. And was interesting, actually, side note, I got the opportunity to talk to Jason Rubin, who is one of the heads of Oculus at Facebook, when I was at Games Beat Summit, because I did a panel with him. And I mentioned this to him, and I was like, I'm so excited about VR, but it's so hard for me to play VR. And he said, well, it's interesting you mentioned that because, you know, there's a lot of studies that show that women in particular are prone to motion sickness in VR because of the way that their bone structure is inside their head, and it has to do with inner ear balance, particularly in women in VR. And I was like, wait, really? I've never heard that before. He's like, yeah, it's like a real scientific thing. And I was like, oh, maybe that's the reason why I always get sick in VR. I'd be like, uh, so how, what, what are your men brains like? What, what, what's, it has to do, yeah, it has kicking to do with around the size there. of the bones inside your head because typically men, uh, men's heads and their bone structure are larger than women's are. And so I don't know. I would have to like look up the actual data that he was talking about. Um, and why, like, biologically, why that is. But, I mean, I know that inner ear has to do with your balance overall. Yeah. And you're sending a lot of mixed signals to your brain when you're in virtual reality. And I was like, oh, I'll just chalk it up to that. I love that I have now a scientific reason to not like VR. <laughs> yeah, 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 right? Hell yeah. I, mean, I really like VR. I think it's super cool. I'm just not good at playing VR. Wait, is there a bug? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> Where did you come from, tiny bug? <laughs> For everybody listening, Steimer's just swatting <laughs> in the sky. <laughs> swatting at a book. But yes. yes. And then um, the... Um, so... I'm sorry I don't have much to report on, on Lone Echo 2, but... That game, um, I think it's just the motion of that game is something I'm never going to be able to overcome. But if you guys really liked the first one, there's a second one coming. Hope you enjoy it. And lastly, I also got to play a game called Asgard's Wrath. So I believe this is the game that Britt got to play back at GDC. and She had trouble describing. So it's an action combat RPG. I also got to play this on the Rift S. Um, and you get to play as a variety of Nordic heroes like Loki. Um, and they have large instances that are very similar to an open world, uh, but not quite an open world. And the graphics on this game are beautiful. Um, some of the best graphics I've seen. I mean, so far, the the benchmark is still Stormland um, from Insomniac. But this game looks fantastic. So what's really cool is that you play as this hero and then you... Kind of, it really does feel a lot like a like an action combat RPG, just like you would think it would. So you explore the world and you walk around to these different places, and then there'll be these like totems, and you can go over and you can kind of infuse into the into the god totem, 
and then it will pull you way back in the world and it'll kind of give you like a God's eye view. And so you can move around and you can see different levels. And so you can be like, oh, if you're looking for a specific item or for a door for like a quest point, you can kind of look around and see like where you need to go and how you can get there and puzzle solve, you know, how you're supposed to get to that destination. Then you can go back down to your character model and then you're back in the world again. And it was a really cool mechanic. Um, I'm going to look up a little bit more details about this game. But, I mean, any game you get to play as Loki seems pretty cool. 10 out of 10. Yes, 10, ten out of 10 indeed. <laughs> um, so this game, um, what I liked about it is that so much of it... And I don't know if it's because of all the Thor that I've watched recently because of the Avengers or it's because of God of War that I feel so well-versed in Nordic mythology. But there's all kinds of Nordic mythology um, tidbits sprinkled around the world. You're going to see a lot of characters that you recognize, a lot of names. You're like, hey, I know that person. Um, And I, I just, I don't know, there's something about me that gets like super excited when I'm like, hey, I know that thing. Yeah familiarity is a real thing where you're like ooh I know this therefore I like it that's a psychological yes. thing um so the combat is sword and shield so as you can imagine you know you're using your controller to swing at enemies in the world droggers you know you got skeletons that are coming and then you can um you know sheath it at your side and then thankfully if you drop it you can resummon it <laughs> Because I dropped my sword. You dropped it. You were like, hey, why do I have to keep gripping this thing? This should just be in my hand at all times. Yeah. Um, And then there's little like secrets to find. Like there was this gnome that I ran across and he was like, um, he kept asking for something to eat. Um, And I was like, okay. So I went over and I found a crab walking around and I picked him up and I brought him over to the gnome. I was like, "Mm, crab. And the gnome was like, no, I don't want that. (laughs) He's like, no, no, no. It's first off still alive. I can't eat that. Yeah. Um, And then it got even cooler. Um, After that, I was walking around the world and um, I found when I was in God's eye view, I found um, a shark like stuck in a tide pool. And so I grabbed the shark and then it turned into a humanoid and it became my follow companion. Wait, like a humanoid shark? like, Like imagine like a really beefy man but with a shark head. Wasn't that Zelda? <laughs> Didn't they have like weird fish people in Zelda? <laughs> um, Maybe. Oh, I know. I think I know what you're thinking of. Yeah. No, but this is like a literal shark face with like the teeth and everything. Gills. Like that 80s but- cartoon? There's definitely been shark men in the world of literature before. And I, I can't think of an actual named one. Street sharks. Had this- Wait, what are they? Street sharks. Okay. That's in Zelda? No. So, oh, no, that's an 80s cartoon of like oh, okay. humanoid sharks where you're talking like, yeah, like really beefy bodies, but then like a shark head with the gills and all that stuff. Yeah, it was it was wild. Um, and so he became my my little follow companion. And so when we were walking through this tomb um, trying to find this um, artifact, um, he I could send him to go attack um, enemies. I could send him to like pull down levers so that I could cross bridges, kind of like a little bit of co-op puzzle solving. And he had like the weirdest voice. It was so funny. 
<laughs> and he was like very much like a quintessential meathead. He was just like, oh, I want to go eat something. I was like, why do I have a shark buddy? Do you here, think amazing you, at the same time? Do you think you being the God made him into a humanoid or was he always a humanoid that was trapped as a shark in a tide pool? Oh, that's a really great question. Very philosophical. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'm trying to look up the name of the developer for this game. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let me Google it somewhere over here. Um, but essentially, it might just be an, an Oculus internal. I'm looking on the website. Oh, it looks pretty, actually. Yeah, it's super cool. Like, the exploration was really great. The 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 godlike combat or the godlike mode, um, you know, going in and out of there. And some of the bosses are just massive. Um, I think it's going to be super, super cool when it finally comes out. Um, Sanzaru and- Games? Is yeah. that the name? Sanzaru Games, yeah. Oh, yeah, Sanzaru. Um, that is correct. And so this is the thing, the kind of thing that would get me excited about uh, VR. And they said it's going to be a 30 to 40 hour gameplay narrative experience. That's a lot for VR. That's a ton for VR. That's huge. Yeah, it's like it's like, a, like dog years to people years, that sort of weird conversion. <laughs> um, but I am glad that it's on Rift S because that is... Um, a much more comfortable version of the virtual reality headset than the Quest and clearly a superior uh, performance, superior um, lenses inside the headset, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Very interesting though and certainly a game to keep an eye on if you are a a VR enthusiast and you want to hear about um, more about Asgard's Wrath, uh, definitely check it out. All right, I think that's going to do it for VR. Before I talk about the raid, Steimer, let's Mm. talk about uh, what you've been loading onto your Switch for our flight to London. Yeah, so I have not played anything in a little bit, in a hot minute. Um, I have played some stuff, but the things that I have left that I have played are still under embargo. (laughs) I can't talk about. Uh, So what I I did today was I was like, well, let me look at what I want to download for my Switch because I'm obviously going to be traveling for a little bit, so I won't be able to play Rage 2 or Dauntless until I get back. Um, So I found a couple, of course, you know, little adventure games. One of them I had heard of before. It's called The Last Door. It's sort of like pixelated adventure horror. Um, But the only... And I normally, obviously, horror don't do. But I am like, this is a pixelated game, so I'm like, not that scared of it. It's not, probably not going to induce nightmares, maybe, hopefully. <laughs> That's uh, good. <laughs> so I'm going to give it a shot and just see how it goes. Um, because the gameplay style is something that I enjoy. And I do like pixel art, so cool, cool. And then the other one that looked really cute and like more if I need a palette cleanser is called The Little Acre. And I had never heard of this before. But it's also <laughs> it's also an adventure game. Go figure. Uh, and that one has just more like cutesy art. I don't know too much about it, so I can't really give you a super rundown, but I just saw it and was like, yes, the aesthetics I dig the, again, I like adventure games. I'm going to give this a go. Um, and then one that I know will be more of a surefire shot if I do need a palette cleanser and I don't dig the little acre is unraveled Two is now on switch. 
Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so I played that back uh, at last year's E3 with Brittany, and we made the developers laugh a lot because her and I were shit show, essentially. And that sounds that checks out. I mean, similar to how sometimes I'll play with you, Andrea, and we will <laughs> yell at each other. Uh, mm-hmm. But in loving ways, we did similar things where we yelled in loving ways at each other uh, with this like family friendly, like two little yarny people. And I'm like, bitch, pull me up. I got <laughs> I got to go. We have to get to the top of this thing. And it was just like you could tell the devs, right. the devs were like highly amused, but also like what is going on? Like because most yeah. people in demos don't emote, yell at each other. E- they don't emote a, <laughs> a lot. They are. They just sit there. They play the game, and then they leave. But uh, so I'm looking forward to to hopping into Unraveled two by myself. Unfortunately, I won't have Brittany with me. But it was still a cute game, and so I wanna I wanna play it. Well, we could maybe play a little bit of co op in London. Oh yeah, rained in or something. When we're like jet lagged, we'll just be like, cool. It's three a.m. Let's play some Unraveled. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um well that's awesome yeah i should actually load up some games um i still have pokemon let's go pikachu on my switch that i haven't dug too much into that i'm kind of excited about maybe spending some time with now that i've watched detective pikachu um but i also am playing through the final levels of diablo 3 which is exciting um and there i also downloaded katana zero so I've heard a lot about this game. Everyone's been talking about it. So I feel this is kind of like the, I feel like Katana Zero is like the Celeste for me from last year where everybody was talking about Celeste and I was like, meh, eh, it doesn't really sound like a game I'd like. And then I kind of like begrudgingly downloaded it and played it and then I fell in love with it. So maybe Katana Zero will be that game for me. Who knows? Who could say? Um, the Magic 8-Ball. So, break it out. <laughs> I mean, I've got it right here. There you go. Magic 8-Ball. Do your work. Will I like Katana Zero Magic 8-Ball? Without a doubt, it says. Oh, that's positive. Yeah. There, there you go. There you go. Thanks, Magic 8-Ball. Um, okay, so I've got a couple more things to talk about in hands-on before we wrap up this segment. Um, I forgot that I can talk about Rad, but maybe I want to save that so if you guys haven't heard rad is a game from double fine it is an action adventure roguelike and it just entered closed beta on steam and it's pretty rad i hate (laughs) to use that because it's the name of the game but i mean it's like it's like way cooler than I was anticipating it being. And I'm not saying that because it's double fine because they always make great games. But I do not like roguelikes. I avoid them like the plague because anything that forces me to die over and over and over again sounds like a bad time. And anytime I've tried a roguelike, I've gotten very frustrated. So it's a 3D action roguelike set in a post, post-apocalyptic world where humanity has faced Armageddon not once but twice. So it's got that cheeky, fun humor that you can expect from Double Fine. And what I really loved about this game and my hands-on time with it was just the variety and how each playthrough truly felt unique because of the mutation system. So um, it's a top-down kind of isometric view. Um, It's going to be coming um, later this summer. August 20th. 
Yeah, they announced the release date this mm-hmm. week, I think. Yeah. Um, I or just maybe Googled last it. Week. So I, I saw it. I was like, oh, it's August 20th. Nice. Yeah, so it's coming relatively soon. So it's the double apocalypse. It's got Bitcoin mutations and a sweet bat. Um, the variations on the bats and the characters are persistent, which um, is a great thing to know. So like, even if you die in the roguelike, which you're going to do a lot, um, if you unlock bats or um, characters in the game that you can play with, they, they will stay through your play session. You don't have to re-earn everything, which is great. Um, you are going to have uh, these things called quirks that will add parameters to your level over time. Um, and they're going to have um, a couple of different biomes um, in the game. So you'll have these major shifts in environments and mutants. But I only saw one biome, the first biome. And, of course, um, I asked them about accessibility features since it is a roguelike. And they said that... Um, they're not fully discussing all of the accessibility features since they're still tweaking them, uh, which is great to hear. But they do have this guy um, in the world who talks to you. And he, he he the one thing that he was talking to me about, he's like, he, he really sasses you quite a bit. But you can turn on this setting in the accessibility features where he's the gentle elder, where he's nice to you and encourages you instead of disses you. Oh, that's so nice. A and little I was like, positivity that in the great world and pleasant. Some days <laughs> you like that. Yeah, some days you're gonna need someone to give you a little pep talk instead of trying to sass you. Yeah, exactly. So you have a variety of these like little kids that you can pick from to play with, um, and then you go out into the world and you've got your bat, and it collects radiation energy, and you essentially replace the radiation energy with like flowers and greenery in, in the world. And then as you collect this radiation, you mutate, and the mutations are randomly generated. And so in my playthrough, while I was going through um, the first mutation, I got was a little like goober buddy on my back i wanted to like say he looked kind of like a turnip but he kind <laughs> of was just like an amorphous glob, like a blob there yeah but he had eyes <laughs> did he talk so i kind of i kind of wore him like a backpack and then i when i was wearing him as a backpack he would shoot enemies like spit stuff at enemies behind me and so if i was battling uh like if i was swiping at an enemy in front he would shoot an enemy coming at me from the other direction and if i tapped um r1 i could set him down in the world and then he would act like a turret and then shoot things around and then I mutated again to upgrade that ability so that I I could drop two of them. So he would essentially like split. And so I could drop two turrets, which was really cool because it kind of gave me some ranged attack. Because in a roguelike that's melee focused, it can get very intense very quickly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then um, so I'm proceeding through the world and you collect these floppy disks and cassette tapes which is kind of fun and they, you use them as currency in the world and every time you pick up a floppy disk like the narrator guy says floppy disk <laughs> <laughs> i can't wait for like all of the 10 to 15 year olds to be like what's a floppy disk why is this right what is it what's a cassette tape what's a cassette tape um and it's um so it's a pretty fun and the the third mutation I got before my play session was over was a flaming skull mutation. So it allowed me to essentially like pull a flaming skull off of my face and lob it like a grenade at enemies, which was really helpful because I'm much more of a ranged player. 
than a melee player. But all of the mutations are random. One of the players that was next to me mutated and got wings so he could like fly around the world. So he could like fly around. (laughs) I would have loved to be in the development, you know, brainstorming rooms for this to be like, what are mutations? You can pull your face off and throw it at people. Great. (laughs) I love it. Wings. Sure. Wings. Why not? Let's Icarus this shit. And then like, I don't don't know who, who else knows like what, what crazy shit they've come up with because they always have some really interesting, fun uh, ideas in their games and like little quirky things. So I love. Yeah, that it's it's just so awesome um, to talk about and to um, to see what Double Fine is doing with this game. I'm super super excited for it and can't wait to play more. Like I mentioned, they're in closed beta right now. I'm not sure how you get into the closed beta. Let me take a look really quick um, at the the press release that I got. Um, one moment, please. This is the one second song, and it's one second long. Let's go. Nope. Dang, I needed more than a second. Shit, I thought you would be faster. Ah! <laughs> it's a five second song, and it's one, two, three, four, five seconds long. Is that Dang enough it, time? Sir. What? <laughs> I'm throwing you so many bones. You got to pick you one really up. You really are. You really, <laughs> really are. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm looking at this at my emails because when I'm, when I typed in rad, like a bazillion emails like pulled up and I was like, Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> um, cause, um, I, I, I remembered I was like worried about talking about it because I thought the embargo was for a lot later. And then they're like, Hey, the closed beta is happening. You're cleared to share content from the first two biomes. And I was like, cool. That means I can talk about it. Right. And they said, yes, you can. And I was like, hooray. Um, so it's, let me see here. Um, I guess I it's don't just, have I don't know. I all I see is slight information about a limited Steam closed beta, and that's all I've ever... That's all I see. Yeah. I got nothing about how you join the beta. But it's out very soon. August 20th. It's yeah. coming to Xbox One and Switch and PlayStation 4 and Steam. So many places. It out. It's going to be cool. I will play I it on my Switch. Yeah. Um. All right. Now... The final thing I want to talk about, the Division 2, Operation Dark Hours, the raid, eight-person raid, might I add, in the Division 2. <sighs> gut, okay, give me, give me a gut reaction. Love it, hate it, like it. I mean, I had a lot of fun playing with the agents of WGG because they're a good group, but dang, I was incredibly frustrated. Um... So what's the most frustrating part is that it's very clear that Massive optimized the raid for PC players and not for console players. And it's frustrating that they made certain mechanics defined by your ability to aim quickly and to move quickly, which is something that console players are inherently going to be at a disadvantage at compared to PC players. There was also things that were really frustrating from a performance perspective with certain animations taking substantially longer on console than on PC. Like if you watch the console and the PC playthrough side by side, it's incredibly noticeable. And things like that in a raid shouldn't 
impede your progress. Raids should be difficult. Absolutely. You shouldn't be able to just breeze through a raid. But the idea that playing on one platform or another is going to impede you that much was incredibly frustrating because it was really out of our control. So for reference, World's First Clear of the Dark Hours raid happened on PC in about five hours. Since then, speedrunners have been getting through the raid in about 24 minutes. Wow. Which is, which is crazy talk for for how fast that is. Um, World's First Clear on a console didn't happen for almost three days and it took the first team 36 hours since then uh the fastest speed run that i've seen at time of recording the show on console has been three hours now when the fastest console clear is three hours and the fastest pc clear is 24 minutes clearly there's a a marked difference there right so The frustrating part for me was that I was ready to go in with the crew and like getting eight people together to play a game for several hours at the same time is challenging. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and um, not only were the controls a big hindrance, but it just felt like they kept, they almost put one too many uh, mechanics in play for the, the first for the first boss in particular. I haven't gotten to the subsequent bosses yet, so I don't know. I have watched some streams and some gameplay um, um, from other people who have cleared the raid. Some of these top teams who are doing these speed runs now, and it's just like I get that raids are supposed to be hard, and I think what we weren't prepared for was just how specifically optimized your build needs to be and the frustrating part about a game that so heavily relies on rng is that if you don't have the exact build to do the right amount of dps on the boss um, in the raid encounters then you can't participate is kind of like a wah wah that's why i've never i don't like that people like it seems as though games of service they look to have these rng based like only systems for the for your gear and i'm like no no you can't do that like look back at mmos which you are you're grabbing from right you're taking from in order to extend the life cycles of these games and look at what they do because they do it for a reason and like you can yes of course get loot drops in an mmo and you can also get raid exclusive drops or like dungeon exclusive drops but you can also just fucking get gear at that level other ways like there's other options for you you don't have you're not totally um hindered by rngs right like you can get gear it might be ugly might be the ugliest fucking outfit you have on but <laughs> you'll have the stats you need to get through that thing to get the cooler looking shit and like that's all people are asking for in my opinion is like just give us an option make tokens whatever fucking currency system you want and that's fine uh, this is obviously also a rant towards destiny um where it's like give me some store with some ugly fucking gear i don't care and give me the stats that i would need in order to complete this content and then make super extra special cool shit that drops at rng rates that are abysmal and will make me want to kill myself that's fine but you can't have it be so locked and tied to stats when you're like well just keep playing for it you're like but i'm not getting anywhere (laughs) right my luck sucks. Yeah, it's it's a it's a bummer for sure. And so 
I am going to go back into the raid again, but I mean, I'm going to have to do a lot of like min-maxing um, in a way that I wasn't anticipating. Like I went down to the shooting range with a couple of the other clan members and we were testing out some builds. And I love that the shooting range is an option where you can change the difficulty on the targets. So you can see exactly how much weapon or how much damage and DPS your guns are doing against a certain um, enemy type. But at the same time, it's like having to do, you know, a very specific loadout that relies a lot on the drops that you get is um, kind of maddening in a way. So they either need to fix the way that we can recalibrate gear, um, add the optimization station back in, or they need to potentially drop some of the difficulty parameters around the raid and then maybe keep those high-end difficulty for like a hard mode or a challenge mode. So that way, once you've run the raid a couple of times, you can get some of those gear drops, you can gear up, and then you can be more equipped to actually do that. So, yeah. You talking about this, oddly enough, even though you're complaining about it, has made me want to go back and play Guild Wars. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you got your gaming mouse courtesy of Logitech. I did, and now I'm like, oh, shit, I should fire that bad boy up. I should should hop in there. Because you're talking about the rain, like, oh, they got it down to 24 minutes in my head. I'm thinking about all the times I ran through dungeons with people and were like, all right, we're skipping this trash. Let's go on to the next thing. You just, like, run up on the side of the wall to try and not trigger them. And, like, (laughs) it's just... Ah, the it's good fun, old days. Right? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, anyway. man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, um, that's all I've got. So let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll get into our final segment where we're going to take some of your questions that we didn't get to during the anniversary stream. Stick with us, everybody. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. It's the final segment of the What's Good Games podcast. This is our feature segment, and this week we're going to be taking your questions. But before we get to that, I have to tell you it's brought to you by DoorDash. It's dinner time, but your stomach is a rumbling, and you still don't know what you're going to eat tonight. Sound familiar? With DoorDash, you don't need to get up from the couch to get a meal cooking. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurant in your city. Ordering is easy. Just use the DoorDash app and choose what you want to eat, and a dasher will bring it to you anywhere you are. Not only is that burger place you love on DoorDash already, but over 310,000 other amazing restaurants are too. DoorDash connects you with door-to-door delivery in over 3,300 cities, all 50 states, and Canada. Order from your local go-tos or choose from your favorite chains like Chipotle, Wendy's, or the Cheesecake Factory, which I have to say is a Drake household regular stop. I'm not kidding. We DoorDash Cheesecake Factory almost every week. It's kind of embarrassing. Um, I just can't get enough of that Tuscan chicken, you guys. It's delicious. <laughs> Don't worry about dinner. Let dinner come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code What's Good. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter promo code What's Good. 
What's Good. Again, don't forget that promo code, What's Good, for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Now, I know there's lots of food delivery services out there, um, but we use DoorDash quite a bit when we're shooting What's Good games here when the girls are all in the Bay Area, and we really do love using them. So if you've never tried them out, please do take the opportunity to check out our promo code. And if you're in the Los Angeles area, (laughs) I highly recommend a restaurant called Pie Hole where you can get macaroni and cheese pie delivered to your house. And it's incredible. Now I want macaroni and cheese pie. It's I'm so hungry. ridiculously good. <laughs> now that we're all thinking about food, mm. let's get to the third segment. We decided it would be fun to go back to our dock of questions that you guys submitted during our second anniversary stream since we didn't we didn't get to so many of them because we started playing until dawn. So Steimer and I have pulled up the dock and looked at some of the responses and we picked a couple of questions that we think would be fun to answer. So the first question I'm going to ask you, Steimer. Mm-hmm. If you could spin off WGG to another medium, movies, books, music, etc., what would y'all want to cover? Thanks, says Dennis Mitchell. I think for you and me, we would probably love uh, books slash TV. Um, however, I don't. Brittany doesn't. <laughs> Brittany doesn't like jam with either of those things. Brittany literally does nothing but play video games. Yeah, that's the truth. <laughs> She'll go to a movie if it's Pokemon, Final Fantasy, or Dragon Ball related. Yep. Or if we convince her to come with us and drink mimosas, like then that's she'll true. go. Yeah. She does love horror movies, though. So if we made a what's good horror segment. She'd be all about that. That's true. Yeah, she could do our horror movie beat because neither like I don't want to see that. I don't mind horror movies, particularly if I go with friends, but. I don't like playing horror video games because then I have to like play and yeah, you I have to like do eyes. the thing and you're like, no, I don't want to go in that room. Why would I go in that room? But like the exactly. movie, and it's you have easier. To, like, run from the thing that's trying to kill you, and then you have to like lay down and die as it's eating your face, and I hate it. Yeah, because like the movie, you can just cover your eyes a little and like peek through your fingers. <laughs> yeah, I always cover my ears because the music's always the scariest. And then if I, if I just um, kind of like hum a little bit, like I'll hum like a little happy song while like really scary stuff is happening. And I'm like, everything's okay. Everything is fine. This is my happy song. That's amazing. And then the scene's over. And then you're like, okay, um, great. It's done. But yeah, I'm with you. I would like to do like a, like a what's good books. Mm-hmm. That would be fun. Yeah. And what's good TV would be great too. We could Ooh, what's talk good about- TV I would love. Yeah. Especially because like a lot of the HBO stuff is really good and it's interesting to talk about so yeah so i'm watching barry right now have you been watching that no but i keep hearing about it so i'm like i must i should probably just go give it a watch yeah so the first season the first like five episodes a little slow Mm. but as somebody who lives in la i think you'll find a lot of the references something that you can relate to um not necessarily like the actor part of it but just like some of the things they talk about about being in la but I'm in season two now, and it's ramped up quite spectacularly. Um, the second half of Barry got way better than the first half. And now it's almost too intense for me. I kind of feel like they may be jumping the shark a little bit, which is weird because it's only the second season. But I've heard that I got to stick with it. I actually had to walk out of an episode because there was just some like, um, I don't want to call it gore because it didn't really feel like gore, but like somebody got stabbed and like they like showed the stab wound in like mm. really gross detail, and I was like, I don't want to look at that. Nope, I don't want to. I don't want to see that. 
nope put it away Gross. no there was something weird about um so greg watched sons of anarchy and it was always like every time i would be like okay fine i'll watch an episode with you something horrifically gory would happen and i would just be like what the fuck is this show what are you watching he's like it's not normally like this but um it'd be like i i happened to and i'll never get this image out of my head so thanks a lot sons of anarchy um the guy biting his tongue i was just there's a there's a scene where a guy bites his tongue off and i'm just like I want to go. I want to go throw up right now. Like it's gross. That's terrifying. Uh, not really terrifying. Just stomach turning. Um. So yeah, I I don't. Thanks. Now I'm thinking about that. No, but you didn't see it, and they actually like they don't do the thing where you cut away. Like they show a thing happening. Obviously, it's not his real tongue, but like doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. My brain doesn't know the difference. It's stupid. (laughs) My brain is stupid. (laughs) Kind of (laughs) a little bit. Yes. Um, but I'm with you. I don't like, I don't like bloody stuff, but yeah, what's good TV would be fun. Mm -hmm. And trust me, we thought about it. Thanks for your question, Dennis. Um, you pick the next one. Okay. I'll pick a a short and sweet one. What was your Red Dead 2 horse names? This is from our friend Woody. Ah, Red Dead Redemption 2. So I had a couple horses that I liked, but my main squeeze was stracciatella, which is uh, Italian for essentially chocolate chip ice cream. Mm. And the reason why I named my horse this is because he was white with black spots. So he looked like chocolate chip ice cream. Now I want chocolate chip ice cream. (laughs) I know. (laughs) So do I. (laughs) So I went up and spent like two hours getting the fancy fancy horse up in the The Arabian, right? Yeah. The white, all white Arabian. Oh, she's so pretty. Uh, and I named her Artemis after the goddess Ooh. of the hunt. Cause I was like, very this, this nice. Is, this is an appropriate name for you. I had other horse names, but I don't, I don't remember all of them or maybe even any of them anymore. But- I'm named one of my horses Smokey because he was gray, but his face was black. Like he had soot on his face. <laughs> he just um, stuck his face in, in the soot. <laughs> and then um i got one of those really big horses the draft horses yeah yeah i can't remember what the what the name of the breed is but they're like the giant ones they're the budweiser horses but yeah i don't uh no it wasn't a clivesdale weren't they hold Um, on let me see draft horse red dead redemption 2 they were belgian draft horses (laughs) oh there you go go. maybe just said belgian on it or something um, but I named him Gimli because <laughs> after the, after the dwarf and mm-hmm. the Lord of the Rings, so I thought it was like a funny irony <laughs> that he was a giant horse, and I named him after a little character. It, it's pretty great. I did. Yeah. I definitely kept the uh, draft horse that was like the like one of the second horses they give you, or maybe the first. I don't remember. Um, where it's like the one all, where they make you black. sell your first horse like, yeah. against your will, and I was like, I don't know. I, I I keep him. He my friend. I don't remember what I named him, but something probably to do with his coloring. But I don't know yeah. if it was like Midnight or some other stupid version of that. Chestnut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a couple other horses, but honestly, I, once I got Artemis, like I didn't even bother. Number one bay horse. Mm-hmm. I get you. Um, thanks for your question, Woody. Um, let's see here. The next one. I would 
that I want to ask you is, I think it's kind of funny, so I'm going to ask it. Darth Stridius says, it's been such a long time since you guys had a third section of the podcast where you had a random conversation. Will that be coming back? I kind of feel like this is that, maybe? Uh, a random conversation? When did where we, like, we do pick like, a random topic? Oh, but like... what? It's been a while even... since we have had just like a random topic because generally we use it as like a feature segment now where we spotlight a specific game or an event or something, but where we just pick a random like topic we did used to cover more tv slash movies occasionally in this in this segment um so no we have not had this conversation but i guess we could we could use it for more things we could talk about game of thrones at one week since Uh, it's over now yeah since it's over we could give it yeah the next time we're back be like look you've all had time to watch it spoiler cast yeah spoiler cast of game of thrones what we thought of the last season dude i'm down Let's do it. Brittany will be like Heck just sitting yeah. there. <laughs> we might have to wait for another another uh, duo show and do it without her. Um, in hindsight, that probably would have been a good thing to do this week, but oh well. Whoops. Um, you know, it's okay. Hindsight 2020. Yeah, we'd rather take your guys' questions instead. But if you guys ever have suggestions for stuff that you'd like us to talk about, whatsgoodgames.com slash dearwgg as a reminder is open and available to anyone. All you got to do is submit it on the form. It's that easy, friends. What's goodgames.com slash dear WGG. Yeah. All right, your turn. Our friend Toby has a question. If you could play one unreleased slash rumored game right now, what would it be? Ooh, this is a good one. Unreleased slash rumored game right now. Well, there's a little bit of a difference there. I maybe want to put those in two categories. Sure. Because unreleased games that I would play right now would definitely be Borderlands 3. I had a blast with that game, and I absolutely would sit down and play that after recording the show tonight um, if it was available to play, but it's not. Um, what about you for an unreleased game? So mine's going to be a bit of a cheat. It's still technically unreleased, but it has been announced. Uh, Starfield by Bethesda. I just oh yeah I want that game I think the concept of it is like my my complete jam so I would pick that one if I could play that right now. Dang, I guess if we were picking stuff that's announced but a little bit farther away, I would pick Beyond Good and Evil too. Ooh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, I'm really excited for that. I'm trying to temper my expectations though because it's been so long since the last one, and I have a feeling this game is going to be wildly different. That. I don't want to like get my hopes up and then be disappointed. Yeah, for me, I I only played a bit of the first one on my 360, um, and I I don't have like super strong ties to it. I just think, especially what they showed last year at E3, visually, I'm like, yes, I'm down with this. This looks interesting and cool. I want to play this game. Yeah, so, yeah. Also, I'm really like I'm a weird sucker for anthropomorphic things. I'm like, yes. Give me all the anthropomorphic animals in the world. I would love to talk to a pig. I would love to talk to literally, I don't know. Like, uh, like there was a monkey in that demo. Sure, sure. You know, why not? Let's- you just want all the animal friends. I do. I would love it if I were a real Disney princess and they all flocked around me and sang songs to me. That would be incredible. Um, That would be amazing. It kind of reminds me of that gift that I made of you for your birthday. Oh, my God. It was so horrifying. 
<laughs> a for effort. <laughs> but it was you with a bunch of animals. Like you were like Cinderella or something. Um, you know, slightly deformed Cinderella, but yes. Yes. <laughs> Listen, I didn't superimpose your face. A piece of software did it automatically. So what if your face was like substantially larger than the rest of your body? <laughs> <laughs> um for rumored games that one's a little bit trickier yeah because while there are rumors of some interesting projects out there um i don't like it's hard to know like what's real and what's not i mean i could pick a i could pick a game that i wish was rumored that i would like to play like portal 3 for example Ooh, but that yeah. game's not rumored to even be in development let alone you know, something that would be playable in the next three to five years. True. Tears. <laughs> cry, cry. Oh, I cry. Uh, Anything I'm, rumored that you find exciting? I'm trying to just to figure out if have is Fable for. I don't know if it's technically ever been like even if if it's still technically rumored or if it's at this point it's just like there's something happening and we know something's happening. But whatever. Uh, I love Fable. Definitely rumored something in the Fable franchise is coming. So I'm going to go with Fable because I loved Fable 2. I played like 100 hours of Fable 2. I loved the shit out of that game. And the DLC for that game was really good too. Mm, Ooh, that makes me think of Dragon Age. Ooh, well, that's not rumored. That's announced. Well, no, we don't know. It's not announced. It's just like... Dragon Age? Yes, it is. Something... Well, it's, it's something in the Dragon Age franchise. They haven't confirmed that it's Dragon Age 4. Or have they? Did Mike... Did... Did Mark... Dara confirm it was Dragon Age 4? I feel like he might have. I feel like they did, but now you've got me questioning it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's it's still going to be the same storyline continuing because it's soulless in the trailer. So, like, right. regardless of what form it form takes shape, what... Wow. Brain. You know what I'm saying. Uh, it's going to be... You'll still... S- it's not going to be a completely random thing, right? Like it's going to be tied or and rooted in the world that they developed from the last dragon. Yeah, exactly. But All yeah. right. Next yeah. question. Is it your turn to pick or is it uh, I pick? think it is yours. Oh no, sorry. It's mine. It's mine. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, let's see if you could completely erase one gaming experience from your memory just so that you could experience it again for the first time what would it be this is from our friend Mark ooh that is a good one if yes. I could erase one gaming experience so I could experience it again for the first time for me it, I oh do you have one no you go ahead you go ahead okay I wasn't sure if you had one or not um for me, I think it would probably be Bioshock. Um, Holy shit, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> really? Yes. Oh, my God. We're like psychic twins. Oh, my God. BFF. That's wild. Yeah, that was exactly what I was going to say. Okay, okay. Give me your reasons why. So my reasons why are, number one, I didn't want to play this game. Um, and so, like... Uh, too scary it was yeah i was like that's gonna be scary i don't really want to deal with it also i did at the time was like first person shooter can't really do that but there are so many special moments throughout bioshock that i still vividly remember and my memory is shit as you all well know like i don't remember anything but i remember a lot of things from bioshock i remember the first time that i had like the the shock ability and i shocked this like puddle of water and like 
kill some guys with via electricity and i was like oh it's not just a gun game yes i have fun powers this is amazing and then i remember the first time trying to come to terms with needing to kill a big daddy mm-hmm. and like ha- i, I had to psych myself I, I had to psych myself up for like 30 minutes just to take him on i was like i was literally just walking around and he's walking around just chilling because he's whatever he doesn't give a shit about you and i was like do i have enough do I have enough ammo can i do this am i gonna die oh fuck but you seem so nice okay shit, just go like super struggle finally you know did it took him down and then you know the decisions of do you harvest the little sisters do you not i never i did not um i harvested the first one not knowing that you shouldn't harvest the little sisters. And then I didn't harvest any more after that, but it was too late. I had already harvested one. Yeah, I, that's, done for. I feel like they should have given you that leniency because when in a game, when it tells you to do something, you assume that that is what it wants you to do. Like you don't necessarily think about it as hard, especially because you're like, oh, this is sort of like tutorial land or whatever. Yeah, sure. I should be harvesting this thing. You're teaching me the mechanics of this game. And you're not necessarily having like the moral quandary of like, do I do this or not? Yeah. You know, what's interesting is that there's like two sides to that. One side is um, you're absolutely right that sometimes, you know, because of the fantasy of games, you don't necessarily understand the wrong and right of it. I think back to like my kind of disposition against killing newts in Days Gone about like, but it's just part of the game. But then also Bioshock does so much play on morality and uh, really kind of messing with your head about like what's right and what's wrong and what's real and what's not that I think it may have also played into the psychology of that game. And it's just so artfully written experiencing that narrative again for the first time would be fantastic because the way that they build upon each area that you unlock and all of those different audio logs that you find, like I still vividly remember that boss fight in the theater. Oh yeah. And, like being like so freaked out about it. And I was just like running away and like running back in and running away. <laughs> <laughs> like this the splicers in general are oh, God. like terrible so enemy AI. I'm just like, Oh my God, it's got scissors for hands and it's <laughs> running at me. <laughs> and it has weird bunny ear mask on. I don't like it. What's going on? Oh um, my God. But to your point about the morality and stuff, like I don't feel the first time you harvest a little sister, I don't feel like that's fully understood by the player yet necessarily. Yeah. So that's only where I wish, like, I wish there was a little leniency there where it's like, okay, if you harvest one, that's one and then never again, like, you'd be okay. I would, right. I just wish that they would give you a, a little bit there because, again, I don't think you quite understand the depth of the game until you are really in it. And then you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, I got to think about this. And then I, the other moment I still remember distinctly is the would you kindly obviously reveal right and i my mind was fucking blown like i was just like (gasps) the whole time (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was it was such an amazing moment at the end and again if you guys are listening to this and you're like man i've never played bioshock please pick up the bioshock collection they remastered it for current gen consoles and obviously it's available on pc as well it's definitively one of the best video games ever made like in the top 10 video games of all time um and it absolutely holds up today um i can't really speak to the other two to bioshock 2 and to infinite infinite was such such a divisive game but 
the original is just so iconic. I can't say enough about what a fantastic game that is. Conquer your fears like Steimer and I did and, and muscle your way through it. And I think you won't be disappointed. I also think it's crazy that we picked the same game. Yeah, no, I do too. But that's just so one of the games that like I have the most memories of. Yeah, because it left such a lasting impact. When people ask us and we get asked all the time, like, you know, what's what's your favorite game or what are some of your favorite games? Um, and I think about my top 10 list, my personal top 10 list, Bioshock is always in that conversation uh, without a doubt because I played it a couple of years after release because it wasn't something that was on my radar when it originally came out because FPS was a genre. Ironically, that's one of my favorites now, but it took me a really long time to get into as a gamer. I just hated FPS when I was younger, mostly because I was really, I had a lot of trouble with the dual sticks. And so once I kind of conquered my fear of failing um, at FPS and played games like Halo by myself and played campaigns and played it on the easiest difficulty until I got comfortable with it. You know, it, Bioshock was just one of those games that I was just like, I'm never going to be able to play that game. And then I finally sat down and did it because I think it was one of my colleagues at Mahalo Video Games that was like, how have you not played Bioshock? And I was like, I don't know. I just didn't play it. So I would say the same to you. How have you not played Bioshock? It's one of those games that every gamer should play. Yes, I would agree with that. All right. Last question. Hmm. Trying to decide if I want to do this one or mm -hmm. this one. Uh, I don't understand that one. You don't? This one? Wait. Oh, hold on. Maybe I'm not. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not I'm looking up, at. Sorry. I was looking at the wrong thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, uh, honestly, coin toss. Either or coin we could toss. just do both. Okay, so Brian MX34 asks, which would you prefer? The power to teleport anywhere or the ability to never need sleep? But you can sleep, though, if you want to. I mean, sleep is fucking great. So clearly, I mean, I would, I would pick teleportation, like hands down. Even though you would get more yeah. stuff done if you didn't have to sleep. Number one, sleeping is amazing, and it's one of my favorite hobbies at this point in my life. <laughs> I love sleeping, <laughs> and, too. And, like, you can still save a fuck ton of time if you can teleport. Yeah, dude, I've always wanted to teleport. I think the desire to teleport was strongest when living in Los Angeles, and I think anybody who lives in Southern California can relate that if we could just get rid of the 405 altogether and if we could all just, like, teleport, that would be so nice. Yeah, teleportation would be great. I would love that shit. Be like, okay, you know what? I feel like getting uh, gelato in Rome today. Let's go. Bling! Like, you just go get one. Come on back. What was like, the name of the movie where that guy could do that? Jumper? Yeah. That yeah, there was a there was a movie. Jump, jumper Yes, movie? Jumper. Yeah, it is Jumper. And it was with the guy who played Anakin Skywalker, right? Correct. <laughs> that is, yes. You're nailing Wait, it. Wait, no. Is, is that it? Yeah. I think so. It is that. You're because the other one that was similar titled is Looper, which is not the same oh, thing. Oh, Looper was different, also very good. Yeah, yeah. So uh yeah, Hayden Christensen, um, aimless David Rice has the ability to instantly transport himself to any place he can imagine. He uses that gift to globetrot living on money he steals by jumping into bank vaults. <laughs> that would be pretty cool. <laughs> to I mean, steal money? Honestly, I hadn't even thought of that application. Like I hadn't I wouldn't 
my brain doesn't go to like nefarious things immediately. I'm just like, cool. I'd like to, instead of flying for nine hours to, uh, you know, whatever, tomorrow, whatever it is, I would just like to blink and be there and yeah. skip all of that bullshit. That would be nice. Yeah. I don't need to like teleport for nefarious reasons. You know, as you mentioned, I, if I could just teleport to save time, that seems that's, that's, that's like good a satisfactory, enough for me. A satisfactory outcome for me too. Time and money. Cause you don't have to buy plane tickets and you don't have to deal with bullshit airlines and their goddamn garbage. I'm going to tell you, though, if I could teleport, I would pay the same ticket price. I would. Oh, like if it was a, if, if it was a, like a you, like a, a fee, a, an ability that you could purchase per use or something. Right. Like think about how in days gone you have to pay in gas, which costs money. So essentially you're paying to fast travel. Mm-hmm. If you had to pay to fast travel throughout real life, I would do it. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, I would prefer to be free, of course. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, if it's a special power you have, I feel like it's free. But there yeah. was there was one other like sort of version of the teleportation thing where it's like I don't remember what the the or was but it was basically like you can teleport but you gain 5 pounds you can never lose every time you do it and I was like no oh. what <laughs> <Why>? <laughs> that's was, awful yeah that would I was Damn like it. that's that's just fucking guess mean. I'm never teleporting anywhere wah, wah. yeah <laughs> that would be an emergency only situation <laughs> like someone's yeah. got you at gunpoint and you just teleport away yeah true That'd be worth the five pounds, obviously. Right. Who made up that stupid rule? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's just a thing I've heard where I was like, that's infuriating. That would be so uh, like frustrating to know that you had the ability to get anywhere instantly and couldn't do it. Because- or it'd be like Wally and we'd all just be like super fat. Yeah. Or we would just be like, <laughs> fuck it. I'm buying bigger pants and just <laughs> go. Yep experience the world Mm -hmm. but just a little heftier yeah um well this has been fun um thank you so much for writing in again we appreciate you guys taking the time to stop by the anniversary stream i know it was a couple of weeks ago now um if you guys missed it and you were hoping to catch it you can watch the archives both on our twitch channel twitch.tv slash what's good games or at youtube.com slash what's good games as well we have it broken up into two sections the first part where we're doing the q a and, and showcasing our fun compilation video which is also on our youtube channel by the way and then the second part which is the until dawn um gameplay portion which is uh, pretty fun um so thank you for tuning in this week um don't forget about our meet and greet in london just a couple days away very exciting and thank you again to all of our patrons for supporting us our patreon producers and our sponsors and that is going to do it for this week again we have a special episode next week our e3 predictions with a magic eight ball it's a fun one, you guys. Oh, so yeah. we hope you enjoy. And we will be back the week before E3. It's kind of crazy. It's happening so fast, Timer. It's I just don't, like two and a half weeks away. I also just don't know where this year has gone in general. But yeah, it's, it's yeah, strange. Exactly. It's like every... My dad told me as a kid. He's like, enjoy it, kiddo. Every year it gets faster. And dang, if he wasn't right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like it was Christmas just yesterday. Yes, yeah, same. And now it's almost June. Mm, Well, there you go. (laughs) All right, everybody. We're going to sign off. Thanks again. And we'll see you next time.